it, yeah, it, man, it's, it's super good to talk to you, though. It's been a long time. Like, you know, we talked yeah. about before, you know, we used to be around on Zoom all the time. And it's just it's crazy that uh, the world kind of opens back up again and everybody just kind of like does their own thing. And even though like like people aren't there, like even though like I don't see you on a regular basis, I'm sure that like if if I was in New York or if you were here, like we'd be hanging out or or something, you know, like there's there's a friendship there that wouldn't have been there without the pandemic. So that's cool. Yeah, I honestly I say that that the pandemic was it was good for a lot of people because especially for comics, um, you know, I've talked to enough. I've talked to enough comics over that, you know, year and a half, two year span where it was like being on Zoom, connecting with comics all over the country really restored their faith in comics because we all get wrapped up in in our scenes, you know, and you get wrapped up into the sometimes into the drama and the nonsense of what's going on. And um, and you just see, you know, how clubs are, how mics are, how producers are. And it eventually, you know, people got a sour taste in their mouth and then and then boom, the world shuts down. And you're like, all right, well, I got to bob and weave. I got to fucking maneuver a different way. And then you meet comics like yourself out in the Bay Area or, uh, you know, in Chicago. All over the world. Yeah. The whole world, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we were talking about Pratik before I knew Pratik. I met Pratik in 2000 in 2018. In oh. New York, he just showed up to a show that I was running, said somebody vouched for him, and I was like, all right, cool, are you funny? <laughs> or something like that. And uh, <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And so I just threw him up, and we became friends. But then, obviously, you know, life goes on and things happen. And, um, and it was through Zoom where we reconnected, and he's, like, one of my best friends. You wow. Know? That's yeah, incredible. It's like he... There's a few people because of Zoom became some of the closest friends that I I have in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know what's uh, funny because I mean, Pratik specifically, I'm really good friends with him too because we do a wrestling podcast together. So yeah. we're on Zoom like every week and we're like DMing all the time, just hey, this is going on, this is going on, blah blah blah. And yeah. so like, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I, I like to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah um yeah pratik um i mean like your pratik and then uh my boy you remember nick d's yeah uh, i didn't i didn't really know him very much i saw him a okay. little bit here and there but we didn't interact a lot on uh like the zoom stuff okay but i do know who he is and i saw him yeah, kill yeah. tony i saw him kill tony so that's cool yeah um yeah man it's just it was such a cool way to just kind of like work work and connect and network and that's the beauty of it because comics it's hard unless you have like a social media following or you have a job that's flexible you know getting out of your scene to do to do road work to get out there get to get out of your little bubble sometimes can be difficult um you know unless somebody takes you kind of like under their arm or takes you on the road with them you know, and this gave us a chance to kind of like speed up that process a little bit. Like I, when I go out on the road, 75% of the time, it's because of comics that I've met through Zoom. Wow. You know, where it's like you make these connections, you, people see that you're funny. And so if you line up one gig, you can anchor it and then line up other things. You can line up other things around it. Yeah, no, that's very true. You're right. That's smart. 
You're uh, right about that. And then like, right. Like, like would I have met you without zoom? Maybe, you know, but will we become friends? Maybe not because we're so far away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have a, I have a buddy that's out in the Bay. Um, a good, a really good friend of mine, uh, Joe Hill. And, uh, okay. Um, I don't know Joe Hill, but I've, I've seen him on flyers and stuff and I've seen, yeah. him, I know his name. Yeah, definitely a, a, a solid dude. Uh, always kept it real. I mean, we knew each other from doing shows in uh, in the city, and then when I headlined Caroline's, I put him on uh, put him on my show, and um, and then you know things just clicked, and uh, you know we were doing some Zoom stuff together, and uh, you know with Comedy Hub Live, and then um, and now I'm going. He's coming back out. I'm going to go back out there. Nice. So it's going to be fun, man. It's just it, it's just a great way to have connected with so many other people um, in, in an otherwise pretty dire and awful situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's scary, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Well, this is a good place to start. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I am Athena Rodriguez. And we're here with comedian Ralph Anthony. What's up, Ralph? Hey, what's going on, brother? Hell yeah! Thanks for joining us, man. It's awesome to talk to you, dude. It feels good to uh, feels good to be back. Uh, seeing you on the screen, man. Like we were saying, it's been, it's been a fucking minute. <laughs> yeah, this is how we know each other. You know, if we saw each other in person, it wouldn't be the same. I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> You're like, wait. You look different outside of this four-inch fucking screen. You're here. probably you're probably way taller than I expect too. Actually, how tall are you? Uh, six three. Oh yeah! See, Holy wow! I'll be looking up to you if we ever meet in yeah. person. Yeah, uh, um, I'm, I'm, yeah. You just mentioned headlining Carolines, and that's kind of a, a a good little place for us to go because I've never been to Carolines. It's a legendary place, and it just closed. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, last show was on um, on New Year's Eve, actually. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, uh, tell us about Carolines and the experience you had there, and just about the club because I don't really know much about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's. Uh, Caroline's, I mean, it's the, I think it's one of the greatest clubs in the world. Um, it's my, f- it, it was always my favorite f- place to perform. Um, it, it's iconic. I mean, you're right in the heart of Times Square, uh, wow. biggest stage, biggest, big bright lights, New York City. Um, my experience there was very different um, because I had gotten to this point in doing stand up where like, Comics in New York kind of get to a point where they're like, all right, I'm done doing mics. Like, I'm not going to do mics. I'm just going to hang out at shows or do bar shows or that's it. You know, I'm done. I'm done doing mics. And I was never of that mindset Um, because you have to keep working out material. You have to keep going. You have to keep refining your craft, testing jokes out. I don't care if half the people pay attention or no one pays attention. Sometimes it's just so you could say the things out loud. And you hear them and hear the recording later of how things kind of click together. Or you get something like you get like a little like a little bolt of lightning where it's like, you know, you catch like lightning in a bottle. You know, you do you you say something and then you're able to like riff off it and you're like, oh, shit. Now this is like the nice little bridge or transition into another. Yeah, that's how Uh I write most of my tags on stage. I just say something and then like I'll just throw something else out there. Just I don't know where it came from. And I'm like, oh, I'll use that, you know. Right. It's, I think it's, it, I honestly do it. I think it's, I think it's fucking, it's amazing. So, um, so the summer of 2018, I had a friend that was working at Caroline's and she shot me a message and was like, Hey, listen, uh, Caroline's is going to be doing, I think it's two, 
two open mics this month and they've never done them before. So come, definitely come. And obviously it's a mic. So you're going to like work out new material, but like bring some, bring some of this, bring some of the good stuff, bring the heat. Yeah, kind of so, impress them a little bit too. Yeah. So I had this joke um, where I love being from New York because my favorite New York moment is seeing tourist couples get split up by closing train doors. <laughs> like, like it's <laughs> it's so awesome it's such it is such a great joke it's so much fun to do uh especially if you have like a new york crowd because we love because like new york is so tough it's so sometimes hard to live here so you got to like find these like little nuggets where you're like all right this makes it worth it and like seeing a couple that has no idea what's going on where they are just Boom! Get split. You're like, this is this is fucking great, right? And since New York is so tough, they kind of don't care. They're like, well, you should have got on the train before the doors close. It's your fault anyway. So yeah. that's why it's more funny too. <laughs> yep, and like the whole build up to all of it, and then the aftermath. So, so I did some new stuff. Uh, I opened up with that. I did some new stuff, and um, and so the first mic went great. Then the next mic, they they asked me to host half of it, and I love hosting because I do a lot of crowd work, like crowd. Like seeing all these crowd work clips pop off now, I'm like, this is this is awesome. I've always done crowd work. Like it, it's 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 oh my god, it's like fishing with grenades. Like if you could talk to people, <laughs> like, it really is. Like I, so I've always been like I've always been a hustler. I've always had like jobs where I've had to talk to people. Like I've always had sales jobs, um, whether it would be like phone sales, like in college, or just like door to door sales, like after college, and so talking to people is never, never a problem for me. And, uh, and so when I get to host, I do a lot of crowd work and then I'll close, I'll typically, I'll close on a joke to get them in the mindset of like, all right, this is a comedy show. Um, but this was like, this was just a mic. So I went up, I did a couple jokes, did a bunch of crowd work. It was great. Those two mics got me the opportunity to audition. Uh, no, those two mics got me the opportunity to submit so I could audition for the New York Comedy Festival that year. Wow. It was huge. So I I submitted my stuff. I auditioned. I got into the New York Comedy Festival. It was fucking, it was amazing. Um, to this day, it's probably one of my favorite sets that I've ever done. Uh, packed room, 300 people. Like, you could feel the fucking, you could, you could feel the electricity. Like, it was vibrant. Like you could, you could almost see it. Like that's how much the energy was like, that's where it was in the room. And, uh, and so that had gone well, it went better than well. So that was in the fall of 2018 in the spring of 2019, Caroline has this thing called comedy March madness where they take, uh, outside of like full-time working pro comics, they take the top 64 comics in, in, in the city. I submitted my tape from the comedy festival that got me in into the March madness. And because of that March madness got me passed as a regular in the club. That's incredible. So it was like, it was just, it was just insane. And then, uh, so I started doing some regular spots there. And then over the summer I'd gotten, I got an audition to, um, uh, I got an opportunity to audition for the 2019 comedy festival, New York comedy festival. So it was like TBS's comics to watch. 
Um, and the other one was like New York's top comics, whoever the fuck it is. Um, New York's funniest. That's what it was. Um, I didn't, I didn't make it to the next round, but I, I still got the op- opportunity to audition, which was great. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, I actually, they reached out to me and, um, and, and they were like, uh, we would love for you to do a breakout artist show. Um, now in the scheme of New York comedy, being asked to be a Caroline's breakout artist, like that is, it's like one of the greatest opportunities that you could get as a comic. Like, I think it's, it was, it, it, it's just, it's surreal to know that, like that I had that opportunity, like that show, that credit, those clips, that tape helped put me on the map for myself and just like to open up other doors. Like having that as a credit is huge. Um, and it meant everything to me. Uh, and I found out the night I was doing, I was doing background work for Pete Davidson's The King of Staten Island. So we were in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we were in Staten Island. We were shooting one of the baseball stadium scenes. And, um, and like, I got this email and it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I damn near threw up in the bleachers. Like, I was so overcome with like excitement and energy. And then, like, I don't want to say anxiety, but like, a new profound level of nervousness. Like I've never <laughs> yeah. felt that before. Completely, and, completely uh, overwhelmed, I bet. Yeah. Well, it, you know, and that's the thing. Cause like, I don't know what it's like out by you, but in New York, it's so hard for a younger comic or somebody that's like five years in or six years in again, still a younger comic. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I so mean, like New York is kind of like, I mean, it's the LA of the East coast, you know, that's where all the yeah. big names are in that area. Yeah. So unless you're like a big name and well-known, you're only getting five, maybe 10 minute sets, yeah. six minutes, eight minutes. If you buy a beer. <laughs> yeah. So when you headline, they were like, you, you got to do a minimum of 45 minutes. That's what they said back then. I don't know if they've ever, I don't know if they'd ever adjusted it or what, but they said 45 minutes. And so this was, this was July. And so the show was in September. Uh, the first date that they gave me was in, uh, or November. The first date that they gave me was in September. And I was like, there's no way to build this material to like figure out the placement of the hour to promote the show. I don't have enough time. And they were like, well, we have, November 26th, otherwise you're going to have to push you out into 2020. And I was like, nope, because at that point I was like, you got to carpe diem shit. Like you got to seize the day, take the opportunity. I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. how, when, and where, like just fucking make it happen. Make it happen. Because, because like with comedy, it's so, sometimes it can be very challenging, you know? And at that point, like I, I, I'd been doing, uh, you know, I'd already done the mic scene. I had done a few bringers in the beginning. I was producing shows. I was trying to like offer rides to like go do road work, feature, wherever. I would literally do anything and everything to get on stage. And so this was like a huge thing for me. And and I remember just as soon as I got back that next day, I just nose to the grindstone and just went balls to the wall, writing, working out material as much as I possibly could. And I remember when I showed up for the show, they were like, all right, so it's a, you know, a minimum of 45 minutes. When do you want the light? 
And I go, you can give me the light at 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And that's why you know you hit the minimum and everything you do beyond that is just bonus. Yeah. And the craziest part about it was when they gave me the light, I still had 20 minutes worth of material left. Wow. Uh, I'm very much like I grew up watching Carlin. Like Carlin is the goat to me. Like um, just like his whole process of like organizing jokes, organizing the material, just have it all structured to go in a certain way. Like it was all memorized, like building up to that show. Not only was I doing running the material on, on shows, but I would come home every day and I would run that hour front to back twice every day for like a month before. So, uh, so it's just, it was just wild. It was just wild to me that I had that opportunity. And literally, if I did not take that day and they pushed me out to 2020, who knows what would have happened? Like the world fucking ended, not yeah. even literally ended three months later. And then, and then Caroline's ended how much, you know, how much time later after that? Mm-hmm. Um, two years. Two years. Yeah. But see, so, I mean, once they opened up though, it, it was probably going to be harder for younger comics to, to get their foot in the door because they were closed for so long too, you know? Yeah. It was, um, it was certainly interesting to see how everything maneuvered, uh, in, in Caroline's, but like just in New York in general, like, you know, you look at that first six months of 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 2020 after everything shut down. So, like, figure from, like, March to September, like, the cultural shift in this country, the cultural and social shift that just was like, boom, this is the new norm now. You know, it was, it was exciting to see. Uh, it was certainly borderline, like you know, revolutionary, like just to see the change in people's thinking and how mm-hmm. things came to light. Um, it was wild. And so I think it was re- I think it's really awesome to be where, where we were and then to see where we are now. And, um, and I just, I'm just very grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. Congratulations on, on headlining Caroline's. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Pretty fucking rad, man. But you're right, though. Like, we're in a completely different place now because there's a perspective that we have that we never had before 2020. Yeah. Plus, I think it kind of leveled the playing field a bit because even the comics that were, like, considered, you know, top tier, they weren't able to do anything. Mm -hmm. So it kind of made us all feel like uh, connected in the sense of, like, we're all in the same spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very motivating because as we were talking about, you network with other comics mm-hmm. and it was like, I saw how much I was writing and working out material. And there's a dude uh, like he I like you always want. You ever hear that Matthew McConaughey speech where he's like, the person I looked up to is my future self, like the my, yeah. mark, my future <laughs> yes. self. And so I love that thinking before I heard that and I was doing Zoom, there's a comic in DC. I don't know if you ever had a chance to work with Winston Hodges. Oh, you know what's oh, funny? You know what's Winston. hella funny is when you said there's this comic, and I was gonna say it's his name Winston Hodges. Because yeah. Winston, I saw him just grow and grow and grow yeah. 
And once, yeah. the, once you know, we started getting out into the world again, I was telling anybody that will listen, if there's one comic that I met on Zoom that's going to be famous, it's going to be Winston. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. No. Hey, listen. <laughs> I I was so, I saw how much I was doing working and writing and I was just literally trying to keep up with him. Wow! Like that yeah, that was, was phenomenal. The, that, he was the fucking mile marker for me. Um, and then when things opened up, he put out his album, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that's awesome." Now he just recorded another album um, this past weekend. At, yeah, at, he did. I DC saw that. Comedy so, yeah. you know, uh, it's really, it was one of those things where it's like, you have so much opportunity to grow, as you guys were saying, and uh, and do that. And it's like, now, I've just fin- I just finished up the audio for my album and just released it, uh, you know, two, three weeks ago. Wow, uh, three weeks amazing. ago. That's incredible. Uh, and now we're, now I'm working on the, the second album. You know, Murdy, like... Going through like new material that I just started, yeah. but I have like fucking notebooks upon notebooks of material that I worked out on Zoom that I just never brought into the real world yet. You know, so it's wow. like it's just it's inspiring, and that's why I use Winston as the example for it because it's like you think that you're doing a lot, and it's always great to know that you're doing as much as you can, but there's always there's always there's always somebody to look up to. You know, and if you could look up to your peers, I think that that's something that's when, you know, you have a a special connection with certain people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because you and I are sitting there on Zoom being in awe of Winston and Winston's over there being in awe of another comic that's doing bigger than him, you know? Yeah, that's it. It's like you have to aspire to the levels that you want to get to, Exactly. you know, I mean, even for me, even with that Caroline's credit, in all honesty, even with that Caroline's credit, dude, headlining one of the, the greatest clubs in the country, I did not have the confidence to think that I could actually put out an album. And mind you, I had already just done an hour. I did an album. Yeah, you did an album. Right, I did yeah, an exactly. album. And with the world shutting down, all that material is just sitting there. Like, I never really put it out into the world. So, um so like just having that opportunity um to 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 do that you know yeah um, you know you see somebody and i think that's what i was trying to say is like you see somebody else doing it and um and i had this material but i didn't have the confidence and luckily i was very i was very fortunate i had been i was dating somebody that kind of was like no you're you're really good like you're you're funny like you you should be doing an album. Like, this is something that you should do. Like, it's it's really not up for debate. Like, this is, you should do it. And, and she, she was, she was just like that, like that guiding hand that was just like, just, just pushing you a lot, push me a lot right along. And, you know, last summer, um, you know, last summer we had talked and uh, and then decided that that's that was it. And it's just it's kind of wild, to be honest with you, because if you look at all the dates, how everything lined up. Um, and it was funny that she was the one who planted that gave me that idea because we started talking on nine nine. We had our first date on ten ten. We made it official. We were like officially together on twelve twelve. 
so we made the album on 11 11. Wow. Wow. So it was like very universally lined up. Um, and so it just made it very, just really fucking, really special to now have this, this piece of work um, that was just inspired by, you know, by someone very special. And, yeah, absolutely. Just a collective work of, of Zoom. I mean, you know, you're talking 15 months of doing Zoom mics and shows 20, 30, 40 times a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Zoom shut down, not shut down, but like kind of slowed down in yeah. May of 2021, mm-hmm. Memorial Day weekend, I went out on the road and I was on the road for five months and then Omicron spiked. And so I went back on Zoom and then in March of 2022, I went back out on the road for another six months. And like working a full time job, you know, like it's just crazy. I worked full time job. I was doing comedy full time, living between two apartments. Like to have all those things going on and still being able to put this piece of work out there, yeah. you know, it takes oh, yeah. it takes special people in your life, uh, and it takes something within you to kind of still try to hold everything together because. Mm-hmm. You know, there are. That's why I wear these beads, man. I, you, you need higher power. You need something. Yeah, you do. your shit together. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the album, uh, Forty for Forty, uh, Ralph Anthony, Forty for Forty. Uh, what does that process look like? Like, how do you go? Like, hey, I'm gonna make an album, and then you have an album. Mm-hmm. I started to look at all the material that I'd written and the jokes that I really enjoyed doing, um, and I wanted to tell a story. Um, you know, I kind of got to this point where after we saw what happened in June of 2020, I was like, no one wants to hear the observations of someone that looks like me. So how do we work around this? Like, I love doing stand-up. How do I work around this? Because being, uh, um, being a student of Carlin, it's a lot of observations. So yeah. it's like, how can I keep doing it this way, but also do it a different way? Can I interrupt you for a second, Ralph? Yeah. Uh, you were a student of Carlin. You said that Carlin was a goat to you. And yeah. I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, the Carlin documentary. It, he it, kind of did that. He kind of reinvented himself and he yeah. kind of took a turn uh, when his career was um, a stale, I guess. And yeah. it made him bigger than he ever was in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry. Go on. No, no, no. But it's so true because it's like in the beginning days of Carlin, like it was a lot of like goofy stuff, the hippy dippy weatherman, one of my favorite things. And um, literally, it's such a brilliant fucking joke. Mm-hmm. It's so smart. Um, yeah, no, it, it was his his early stuff was so funny. I never knew about it until that documentary. Yeah, um, yeah, and they're all on they're all on Apple, and they're like I think it's like eight, nine bucks, ten bucks. Like there was one night where I was about four whiskeys deep, and I just went and bought every single Carlin special out there, like wow. every single one. Um. Because when I'm on the road, I like to just put them on and I'll just listen to it. Yeah. So, yeah. So he got to the point, like going from, he invented himself in the 60s. He was very much clean cut, suit and tie kind of comic. Uh, Burns and Carlin, he was a duo. Then in the 70s, he embraced his, he wanted to get away from that, like corporate, not corporate look, but like the very, um, he was rebelling against what society was like. So long hair, beard. Because he was always a rebel yeah. on the inside and very much not trying to like 
I was always very much a rebel on the inside. Like, I, I did whatever I had to do to keep other people happy. But inside, I was fucking losing it. Like, I can't even begin to tell you on these recording the shit that I used to do. Like, <laughs> like I wasn't always a comic. Like, <laughs> I got some stories. And so, um, yeah. And then, so, he, like, transformed into the hippy-dippiness. And then, uh, and then when that started to go stale, he just switched and took the stuff that made him nuts the stuff that made him angry and just made it funny and that was the biggest piece to the first joke i ever wrote because he was like find out what drives you nuts and then make it funny and so that's why i had done all these years you know all those years ago so anyway um so i wanted to reinvent myself i had to figure it out so i started writing stories i was always a good storyteller like one of my favorite things to do is just make my friends laugh and and make anyone laugh really and and I, I like i've done all these weird things in my life some great some not so great but they're always funny and they're always ridiculous and so <laughs> i was like how can i take this so i started writing stories and then working working my observations into it you know um and it started to pay off and um and so that was the summer of 2020 uh, in September, I, you know, met someone very special to me and, um, and we started off on this beautiful relationship and she had a daughter. And so I was slowly, but surely becoming a new person. I was, my life was changing. I was becoming a boyfriend and we were more or less like an unmarried, married couple. Um, you know, I was becoming a dad. In a way, that's like brand new experiences for you. Yeah. It was honestly, dude, being a dad is like one of the greatest fucking feelings I've ever had in my entire life. Um, like there was a, there's like, there are moments where, you know, when you come home or you surprise your child and they like the, the, the face. The fucking face that they make when they they see you walk through the door. They don't expect you're going to be there. And they see you. And they say your name. And they run with this big smile. Um, We had surprised her at preschool in September. She didn't know I was coming down. I was supposed to come down later. I came down early. And, uh, and she ran from the other side of the classroom and jumped up into my arms and hugged me. Like, like she had never seen, like she hadn't seen me in, in years. And like, that's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Like better than headlining Caroline's, like to have, to have someone. And I didn't even create her. Like I I didn't even create this, this person, you know? And it's just, it's so, it's such a magical feeling to have that. Like, you know, um, or like when they wake up in the middle of the night from a nightmare, you know, and they want you and they're, and you're sitting in the rocking chair and, you know, they don't feel good. They're scared. They're crying. And you're just rocking them back and forth just to calm them down. Like it was, I'd have these moments where I was like, holy fuck, dude, your life is completely different now. And like in such a beautiful and amazing way. And so I would take these experiences and I would start writing about them. And then I would work some of the observations of how I used to be into how I am now. 
and just building and building and building. And, and I still have all this material about being a step parent that like I haven't even been able to put out in the world yet. So the process of, of doing this hour for this album talked about how, how I used to be. You know, I used to be a fucking drug addict. I was borderline functioning, a functioning alcoholic. Like it was, I was a fucking lunatic in my (laughs) twenties. Like it. And then I started to clean up in my thirties. And then I got into therapy in my mid thirties. And then I met, you know, I I met her in my, my late thirties and going into my forties. And, um, and so I just started talking about this stuff and, you know, little bit of things that like make me nuts now. And, you know, talking about my own problems and things that you realize that you don't go through in your twenties, like, you know, like sleep apnea or, prostate. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, no, I know, I know. Uh, you know, I, one of my favorite jokes in all honesty is talking about my first prostate exam. Like it levels the room half the time or talking about how, Kids today have it so easy when it comes to porn because they never had to deal with their dad's VHS cassettes. You know, they never had to deal with AOL. You know, my opening joke on the album is the first joke that I ever wrote during COVID. And the last, the ending joke was the, was the last joke I wrote before I went out on tour last year. Oh, wow. It's almost like a timeline. It really was. So it was over the course of, Literally two years, two years. Um, the first joke is, is my favorite joke. Um, it's all about how I, I love drugs, but I found like it's hard to have sex on drugs. <laughs> like when I would smoke weed and try to have sex, I'd get hungry. When I would do coke and try to have sex, I couldn't get it up. But the hardest drug to have sex on is mushrooms, because when I would eat mushrooms and try to have sex, my dick would keep floating away. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So it's just like, it, it's just this this goofy, heartfelt, funny little adventure. Yeah. You know? And I work these things into it, like with the sleep apnea, you know, like I, I talk about, um, you know, I talk about this, this little girl waking up in the middle of the night and how when you're a kid and you wake up, you want to go into your parents' room because you want to feel safe and secure. Like you just had this nightmare. Like you just want to be hugged and told everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. but she would open up the door and come into our room and just see me with this fucking mask on. Just, <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, like little things like that, that just, they just, just these, these little magical moments of life. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it, what's it, crazy is uh, we talked about how like, like the COVID thing and everything is different now. We all think of a different way because our perspective has been changed. And I feel like maybe, you know, you mentioned the the, the ex-girlfriend and, and the daughter. Maybe that's something that you kind of had to go through to get that experience, to get that perspective, because, you know, it's a new part of you that you can now explore. Yeah, it really is, man. And it changes your whole, it changed my whole perspective. Like I said, on like what I, what I want in life. Like I have things that I write. I'm a big fan of like, as you remember from Zoom, big fan of giant post-it notes and so on my door i have you know these things that i i want to become in life and the first one is is a husband and the second one is a father like that's 
that's almost superseding being a working comic, like a full-time working comic again. Because the way I see it, I've always been funny. I'm going to continue to be funny. I know how to write a joke, and I know how to work on the road. Those things, yeah. that, that is almost second nature now. You always have those tools, right? I always have those tools. And, uh, and, and the one thing that I have that I just cannot wait to, to experience again is to, to basically to, you know, to be a husband and to, to be a father. Like Mm -hmm. those are two huge things, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, and it also makes for great material. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I mean, you look at some of these comics that are, that are single, never been married in their forties and fifties. And like, I don't want to be like, that's not what I want. I don't want to be like that. No, I want to be able to come home to a family that that's that's the secret sauce of life coming home to your people to your to your fucking tribe and that was the cool part to bring it back to like zoom it was like we were all part of this one big tribe like here the world is the world is ending things are going off but here we are we're all together on this little fucking screen we're all here and we're helping each other get through it yeah we all just want to be accepted and we want to be appreciated and we want to be part of a tribe. And that is the beauty of relationships and families. Mm-hmm. And uh and it's just it's 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 the fucking golden nuggets of comedy to write about <laughs> yeah, these things. Yeah. Absolutely. It yeah. is because and then like especially like kids' material, kids are so like spontaneous and random, it's just it's hilarious and people can relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's so true, and that's what you want as a comic. You want to be relatable, you know. You want to be relatable to people. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're 50 and you're out boozing at the bar, how many people can relate to that? Like at 50, I don't want to be at the bar single. No, that's fucking gross. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. I want to fucking sit in a recliner, have a cup of tea, and I don't know, watch my kid babble off. Like, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's funny is, uh, speaking of parents and kids and and material like that, we actually have a friend who's a, he's a headliner. And uh, he had a show, Athena was opening, or not opening, but, you know, one of the opening people on the show. And uh, there was two shows, right? So between the shows, we were outside just kind of talking. And it was Athena, myself, and, and the headliner. And this gentleman came up to us, older gentleman, <laughs> and he was like, hey, I really enjoyed uh, your set. Can I give you a little bit of advice? <laughs> and so at the at the moment, the, all three of us had the same idea because he had a lot of jokes about his because he had just became a father. Yeah. Right. So he had a lot of jokes about his new baby. And so we're like, oh, this older man is going to come over and give him some parenting advice. Yeah. <laughs> that's really that's really sweet, you know, and yeah. he proceeded to give him comedy advice. Oh God! About his jokes, about how to deliver them, and this—you know—obviously, this guy's never been on stage or anything. It was just hilarious. And as soon as he walked away, we all just started laughing, going, "I can't believe that just happened." He was like, "Maybe yeah. not talk about what it's like to have a kid so much." Oh yeah, he did say that. <laughs> He's all, "Maybe don't talk about having a kid so much because we all have kids. We all know what it's like." <laughs> oh wow! That's what he said. Yeah. Oh wow! That so is... ridiculous. Yeah, and we were just in shock. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> fucking insane. This nice old man. We thought he was going to give parenting advice, but it definitely wasn't parenting advice. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Oh it's, 
always I I <laughs> I love those conversations because in my mind when people come up to me and talk about it, you're just standing there and you're like, Oh God, you have no idea what you're doing right now. Yeah, right. right. You have no, no idea. idea what you're saying. So and I always like to make the suggestion, like, well, you know, you could just like, you know, hop on Facebook or Google or whatever, and you can find some open mics so you could do it. And then they'll always go, nah, that's, that's not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a little too edgy for this. It's, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get up there and speak my mind and offend someone. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even know who you think you're talking to right now, but like, did you just, like, I just went up there and did you hear the things that came out of my mouth? Like that's, <laughs> you know. Hell yeah. It's, it's a, it, it is. Uh, I'm too aggressive. <laughs> yeah. wild, this conversation's yeah. too aggressive. Thank people you. Are, people are wild. So, yeah. uh, how did you, how did you like, uh, like, do you have a manager or did you just like line up a club to, to do the recording? Where did you record it? Uh, so I recorded in, um, at my home club. Um, well, my home club upstate. It's called Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie. Uh, shout out to Cal Getter, the, the, those dudes, that place that's, um, just fucking salt of the earth man um salt of the earth and i originally was going to try to record i'm not from new york city everybody thinks i am just because the way i talk i've been here for over a decade it's like this is just who i am and i always spent a lot of time here as a kid uh but i'm from upstate new york and so i wanted um i needed that home court advantage like some of the jokes that I do in New York is very funny. New York New York audiences are very fucking strange sometimes where it's like, can't joke about certain things. No, you can joke about everything. And so uh, I wanted the hometown club, one, because I knew I could be a draw. I knew I could pack it out. And um, and uh, and so that's what that's what I did. And um, and it worked out great. I sold like 80, I uh, sold like 84 tickets, oh, uh, wow. which was great. Yeah. Um, I have the check. I'm actually going to frame. I have the check on uh, in a picture frame right over. Well, it's sitting in a frame, but I'm actually going to frame it. You're going to put it on the other side of the glass. Yeah. Put it on the other side <laughs> of the glass. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I, I reached out to those guys um, and told them the date, told them what I was thinking. And they said, yeah, there's nothing there. Let's let's book it. Let's book it. Originally, um, I was thinking I wanted to do it in like. I wanted to do it in like a jazz lounge, like a place that people don't typically go for comedy. Because if I pack out, I was originally wanted to do two shows in a room of where it's like maybe 40 or 50 people. Because in those clubs, in these jazz clubs, the the walls are padded. It keeps the sound right there. It becomes almost like a kill box. Oh, interesting. uh, Yeah. And so... Yeah, when you have like those smaller rooms that are all padded with the, the soundproof and material... The, the laughs have nowhere to go. You know, they just, they have nowhere to fucking go at all. So, um, so it worked out great. Um, so I thought it would work out great, but then, um, the places, any place that I looked had shows that night. So they were all booked out. And, um, and so I just, I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go back to basics. I'm just going to call a club. And, uh, I reached out to uh i reached out to them and they were all on board with it so it all it all worked out the way that it was supposed to hell yeah that's awesome thanks man yeah it's uh it's really fun so 40 for 40 it was um 40 minutes when i was 40 years old and it's a playoff of the espn 30 for 30 
Right, yeah, I, I did, I did see that because it does kind of look like the like Ralph Anthony. It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah cool. I had my buddy, um, shout out to Adam Snare, uh, and Snare Graphics. He fucking, I was like, this is what I'm thinking. Can you do this? And he was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I got it. And he shot it back and literally fucking nailed it the first time. Um, and so the album itself is, um, 47 minutes. Um, trimmed it down from just shy of an hour and, um, and just made it work, man. It's just, it was just a lot of fun to do. It was like, before I got on stage, um, watching the host, my buddy, Kevin, my buddy Vernon opening up the show, I wasn't nervous. Like I had like a maybe a little bit of jitters, but I wasn't nervous. Like I knew the material, I knew the material and I knew this is what I'm supposed to do. Comedy was the only is is literally the only thing I've ever done in my life where I was like, the first time doing it. Oh yeah, no, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is this is what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life. Um, and so that's, this yeah, was just awesome. this was just like, they said my name. I walked up and I was like, boom, here we are. Riffed on being back home and said, well, how about we start this fucking show? And, um, and then we were off. Excuse me. That's that's yeah, that's incredible. How did you how did you feel, I guess, like after you were like said and yeah. done and when you walked off stage? I I felt very it felt very surreal. It felt very surreal. Um it was one of those moments where I walked off stage and all I wanted to do was just, I just wanted to hug and kiss my girlfriend. That was it. It was the happiest moment of my life. And that was, that was it. That's how it felt. It was the happiest moment. Of my, I, I walked off stage. I got a pound. I got high fives from the audience and I looked for her. She came over. She gave me a big hug and a big kiss. And I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life right now. Wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah. That's that's really cool. Uh, so your album Forty Four Forty. Did you say you recorded that on your fortieth birthday? Because you said it was forty minutes into your fortieth birthday. Uh, no, it was forty. So I was forty at the time. Okay, so I okay. Forty one on November twenty eighth, and so I was like, I gotta get this. I gotta get this album done. <laughs> oh, so you had to do forty for forty one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at that point, you know, at that point, after turning 40, you know, the world was still so funky, like the boosters had just kind of like come out, like, you know, Omicron was wild. And I didn't, I hadn't been running this hour, like I'd been doing variations of it. But um, yeah, so I had, I, I was getting to the point where I was like, we got to get this thing cooking. And in talking, um, you know, and talking, uh, you know, and trying to figure out the date, you know, as I said before, you had not, we had nine, nine, we had 10, 10, we had 12, 12. Well, fuck it. 11, 11. She was the one who put me on to angel numbers and how they have oh, yeah. such a big significance. And it's just crazy. Cause like, um, you know, over the last like two weeks, three coming up on two weeks. Yeah. A little about two and a half weeks now. All I've been doing 
is seeing angel numbers all over the place. Like every day, four, five, six times a day. And so it's like, I have no idea what the universe is trying to tell me. I have no idea. But it's like, that's so like with the significance of this album, it had to be 1111. Like there was no, there was no fucking way it could be anything else. Like not at all. It meant too much for the course of my relationship with comedy and my relationship, um, you know, my personal relationship, you know, with, with who I was seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where can, uh, where can people find, find the album? Where's it available? Great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> you can find it on, uh, it, it's, uh, you can find it right now on Apple Music. Um, you can buy it on iTunes. It's only ten bucks. If you got ten bucks, please support it. Uh, it's yeah. funny. It will make you laugh. And and if if it doesn't make you laugh, then you could hit me up on Venmo at Go Fuck Yourself because uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm never giving you your money back. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> it will make you laugh. It, it, I promise you, it will make you laugh. You will find something. It's relatable to everyone. I think it's relatable to everyone. Um, it hits with young kids, uh, like young kids, kids in their 20s, people in their 20s in terms of the drugs and the drinking and the goofiness. It hits on people in their 30s and 40s with new parents. It hits with men um, uh, approaching 40 in adulthood, like real adulthood, doctor visits adulthood. And it talks about relationships because, well, this didn't this would have never come to fruition had I not been in such a great relationship, it really wouldn't have. Like the material that I talked about, um, you know, the person I was seeing was she's fucking she's all over the album. It's like, you know, so um, so it's kind of it's it's pretty awesome. I like how you uh, when you went into this project, you kind of changed your perspective and you wanted to be more storytelling um, and then, you know, sprinkle the observations in. And then you get this finished product and it literally is like your life story. Yeah, it really is. And and the funny thing is, Sam, uh, is that I could kept I could have kept going. Like with telling these stories and 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 running that hour, it was like, I don't know if you've had those moments where it's like it's the second time, maybe third time, third bonafide time, where it's like you're on stage, you're telling your jokes, you're doing your thing, and you're like you know that the show is wrapping up. You know your set is coming to an end. And you're like, fuck, I could keep this going for another 20 minutes. Like, I I felt like I was just at four. And that's the funny thing. That's how you can tell you're growing as a comic. Because there are moments where it's like, if I do a five, let's just say you get like a five-minute guest spot or a 10-minute guest spot. You're like, all right, this is fun. This is like... This is like playing just the tip with my comedy. Like it's just the tip, just you know, it feels, you know, because um, there. The, when you get used to featuring and headlining, you're you're warming them up for the first 10, 20 minutes, sometimes thirty minutes, depending on how well everyone else has done before you. So you could hit your fucking stride at thirty minutes, and if you're only doing forty five, you're like, well, fuck me, I only got fifteen more minutes left. I got an half an hour left wow you know so when you hit your stride at like 45 40 half an hour you're like i could just keep fucking running i could just keep going yeah yeah that's incredible um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it's wild, man. It's it's exhilarating. And it shows but how far can... uh, shows how far you've come. Yeah. At the same yeah, time. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because uh, you know during the pandemic, I guess I didn't really know how big of a deal you were. Maybe is the way to say it because once the pandemic opened up, like you were everywhere. Yeah. What was it like for you uh, post pandemic? Like, were you just like um, just booking a bunch of gigs and just kind of all over the place? Uh, yeah, and actually, this goes back. I didn't answer your previous question before. Um, yeah, I'm still no one. I mean, I'm still. <laughs> I, I'm still. I, listen, I ain't shit. All right, I got some cool shit, but I ain't shit. All right, like I'm somebody to me. Um, I was somebody to someone else, but in the scheme of things. I'm 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 just I'm not you know. Well, well, I mean, I'll be something special someday. Uh, you're you're pretty high demand. Uh, once the light, the world kind of opened up again. Yeah, uh, and that was and that was a testament to to Zoom, man, and just like connecting and networking with people. Like yep. before COVID, I was out in New York, damn near every fucking day of the week, six days a week. You know, I would have my sales job i would get done i would go home i'd eat i'd nap i'd clean up and then go back out and i would do you know one two three mics and then i would be hanging out at shows from you know 7 30 8 o'clock to 11 12 midnight one o'clock in the morning and then i would go home and i would go to sleep and then go to work and i would do, restart this process literally every day so i had all these people that i knew um pre-covid and then i had all these people that i knew from zoom on covid so it was like it was kind of blending the best of both worlds yeah and um and it was a very special time for me to just be able to do that because i think as comics we struggle with wanting to be accepted and it kind of goes back to what i was saying about being in a tribe we all want to be in a tribe we all want to be accepted and I struggled for a long time uh, based on things that I had gone through uh, when I was growing up where I always felt like I was on the outside looking in and always felt like a loner, um, you know. And so when things opened back up and I was able to do these things, it was like, yo, people really fuck with me. Like people fuck with me. And it got to the point where and and you know god fucking bless her but the person that i was seeing was like hey listen you don't have to be doing all these things you don't have to be doing everything you're gonna burn yourself out do what you think is fun do what you think is the quality stuff and it, it was shifting my perspective and unfortunately i did not shift it quick enough and um and so um so I got to this point where it was like I was running around doing all these shows. I was booking everything myself. Like, I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager, you know? So it was like a lot of emails, a lot of Facebook messages, a lot of Instagram messages, a lot of Facebook group posts where it's like, hey, listen, I'm Ralph. This is what I've done. Here's my tape. I'm going to be here this these dates. And so um, it was a lot of people that I met on Zoom that were like, yo, hard vouch for Ralph, hard vouch for Ralph, hard vouch for Ralph. And it was, and those are the moments where it's like, you know, they make you sit back 
and just nothing is more humbling to me than when somebody gives me a compliment. Like as I've gotten older, I don't know how to take compliments sometimes because it's like yeah, same. Um it, it actually it kind of it goes back to literally kind of what you go through as a child, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah. so mind blowing. Um, because you don't think you deserve these things. No matter how yeah. hard you work, no matter right. how hard I worked, no matter how funny I was or, or, or applause breaks or whatever I was getting, um, I was like, oh, well, you know, you know, you have a comic that says something and gives you a compliment. And it was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to get on your level. And, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm saying these things, but it's like, I'm already on my own level. I'm already at the next level. I'm at the level that I'm supposed to be at. Yeah, and and it's shifting your perspective and shifting your priorities. And the big thing that I've learned is creating boundaries. Where it's like you don't have to be out there every day doing a mic, hanging out at a show. You don't have to be out there doing a bar show for four people or five people. If you want to do it, do it because you enjoy it, not do it because you feel like you're obligated to do it. And that was where my thinking was kind of fucked up. Um, because I still had that mindset and it's a scarcity mindset. That's what I grew up yeah. with I grew up with a lot. Right. So you have this scarcity mindset of thinking, all right, well, if I don't do this, then I'm not going to get that. But it's like, there are so many shows, there are so many producers and you have so many jokes and you're funny. So it's like, just things will come to you. The universe, if you're grateful for what you already have, the universe will reward you, Hell yeah. you know? So it was almost mm-hmm. the mindset of like, I wasn't grateful for what I had because I kept trying to get more and more and more and more and more. And it ends up costing you everything that wow. you did not want to give up. Yeah. So, um, interesting. It, it's, it's honestly, I spent the last three months, three and a half months, um, you know, just kind of like ruminating on all these things. Cause that's, yeah, just getting your head back in the game. You have to get your head back in the game. And now, um, you know, I got to this point where I was like, I told you, I know what I want. I know what I want in life. I know what I desire most. And I know the other things will come when they're supposed to come. Everything will come to you when you deserve it. Or when the universe mm-hmm. or God de- deems you to be deserving of it. You're ready. When really? you're ready. And yeah. um, and that was a big thing. I did not think I was ready to handle everything. Because I'd, I'd, always, I'd always dropped the ball. Before COVID... In relationships, in comedy, in work, I always struggled with all three. I always dropped the ball somewhere. Oh, okay. I always had to be funny, and I always had to pay my bills. And so the relationships would always suffer. And so you have to shift your perspective and, and, and change your thinking. And so now, you know, I set clear boundaries with work. I set clear boundaries with comedy. I don't need to be doing... 25 shows a month. I don't need to be doing 20 shows a month. It's fun. I like doing stand-up. I love doing it. But less is more for me now. Mm-hmm. Less yeah. is certainly more like... And yeah, you got to find your balance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have... I don't have a ton of show. I mean, I got a, a bunch of things coming up, but it's not like I'm not out doing five, six shows a week. I don't want to do five or six shows a week. Like, I like doing it. But I want to do, I would rather go on the road and do two shows a week for 20 or 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Quality can, shows, yeah. Yeah, so that way I can work out, you know, I can work in the old stuff from the album and then drop in some of these new gems that I've been working on, you know, because eventually I want to put out another album next year. 
that's that's the goal. My goal is to every two years to put out an album. And you found your balance within, you know, within your boundaries, within, you know, comedy and being able to really figure out what your idea of success was. And I think that's so important for individuals to figure out what one, what they really want to what their definition of success is to them exclusively, because I think a lot of the reason why people get, especially artists get so um, worked up and frustrated is because we're all trying to figure out the one cookie cutter way of success, the one cookie cutter uh, definition of what a comedian is or or what an artist is. And really you just have to define it yourself. Yeah. That's really it. And we get so influenced by social media. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's awful how we let it pollute our thinking. Yeah. You know, um, would it be amazing to, you know, um, you know, to be on the level of like Bill Burr, Kevin Hart, you know, would that be amazing? Of course it would be. My level of success is being able to support my family by doing what I love. My, my idea of success is just to have a family to be able to come home and, you know, go to bed next to the person that you love, wake up, make breakfast for your kids, not have to rush out to a job that I don't want to go to, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. That's that have those moments, you know, um, you know, walk my little girl or, or boy to school. Like those, those moments, those are that's the secret that's the secret to life is is defining your own level of success and what you value most i don't care what other people think anymore i don't care what people think is success i don't care what people think i should be doing you know many times i've heard over the last few months oh this is what you should be doing this is what you should be doing this is what you should be doing no fuck you i want to sit in my i want to sit in this fucking spot I want to go through what I need to go through. Yeah. And then I'm going to make my next move and figure it out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, appreciating what you have, you know, that that's the big thing. I I mean, I do, I have two journals. I write, I I meditate twice a day. I pray twice a day and I journal twice a day. And that's, that's been my daily routine for the last, you know, almost three months now. Well, that's good. That's really good for, uh, just your mental health, you know, and stuff like that. If you just did it alone for mental health too. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what helps define your level of, I, and that's what I, I guess that's where I was trying to go with it, where it's like that, what that's what defines your level of success is what you, when it's just you, when it's just you in the stillness and quietness of your mind. Uh, you know, I heard this thing in the beginning of COVID. I heard it on, I don't know if you guys, obviously this is a podcast, but if you like podcasts, there's one, uh, two I recommend. One is called The School of Greatness by Lewis Howes, and the other is called On Purpose by Jay Shetty. And Jay Shetty used to be a monk, and um, and it's just like, his, his thing is just, it's just, it's so powerful. And he was interviewing somebody, and I listened to it, it was during 2020, and he said, people would rather go through 15 minutes of pain then spend five minutes alone with their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you, and when you hear things like that, you're like, what the fuck is going on with people? 
You know, my favorite moment is non-negotiable. Like I work remote. I work from home. I'll start my day late. I don't give a fuck. I'm not, I'm not going to not meditate. I'm not going to not pray. And I'm not going to not fucking journal. Like that's, that's what helps me maintain where I'm at now and help open me up to see what you actually want. You want to open up that fucking, you want to open up that third eye, baby. That's it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> anytime. <laughs> thanks for having us. Oh, <laughs> uh, anytime. You guys are great. <laughs> so what's uh what does the future hold for you? I guess career wise, comedy wise, like you said you want to work on a new album. Uh well, I guess what does the rest of twenty twenty three look like for you? Uh so honestly, twenty twenty three, the rest of it looks like um uh, I'm looking to, and I'm not looking, I am going to be, uh, I'm, I wrote a pilot, so I've been refining oh. that, so I'm going to be shopping that out, awesome. um, uh, setting up like a table reading to get that done, I started a production company, so the album, all that stuff is going to be going under the production company, and really just trying to get back out there, dude, Um the last three months have been very, um, they were, they've been tough. And so I haven't, you know, been doing a lot of stand up. And now um, I've got like over the next few months, uh, I've, I've got probably like maybe like 15 shows or something lined up. I mean, I'm going out shows in Seattle, New Orleans, Atlanta, um, and just trying to book some more stuff. I think I'm going to come out to the Bay in July. Um, so now it's just it's really it's just kind of planning things out man and just uh i'm looking to move i'm looking to leave new york uh at least the city um you know so it's exciting it's it's i'm i'm entering this new this new chapter of my life and um and it's very uncertain i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen i really don't but I decided over these last few months that I'm not concerned with the who, what, why, where, and how. Like, I'm just in the now. Like, yeah. I'm just going to stay right here, right in the present moment. And I think um, I think with this newfound perspective you have, uh, it's going to take away, like, a lot of limitations for you. And you're going to be able to just, just do amazing things. Thank you, man. Yeah. I went through this, uh, something similar in 2020. Um when I really hit on some stuff in therapy and some childhood stuff. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to say yes. Just yes. Even if I'm on church. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Oh, you, you do improv? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's up? You do improv? Uh-huh. You know what? I would be down to try it. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm just saying that because in improv, you're supposed to say yes and to everything. Oh, <laughs> If you knew improv, you would know that. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Yeah, no, I, uh, I yeah, I, I would be down. I submit to a lot of things where they're like improv, improv, improvisation is a must. And I'm like, yeah, I do crowd, crowd work is improv for comics. That's what I feel like, yeah. yeah you know, so. Like improv. Uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know what the future is going to hold. Uh, I'm very optimistic. I'm very hopeful. I've been seeing all these fucking angel numbers. You know, um, I'm looking for all the doors that are in my life, whether they're closed or open. I'm looking for all the doors. And, uh, you know, that's that's I think that's the beauty of. Um, I think this is the beauty of life, you know, yeah. um, 
No, that's, that's I, I said this to I said this to a buddy. I said two I said two things. I was like, the best part about hitting rock bottom is that you can only go up from there and uh and your success doesn't matter unless you have someone to share it with. Mm-hmm. So um those are those are the two nuggets that I've been embracing since the beginning of the year. And you know, I've got this album out now. Uh it's already cranking on on Apple. It's gonna hit iTunes and Pandora and Spotify or uh, it's already on iTunes, but um it's gonna hit Pandora, Amazon, Spotify within the next week or two. Oh, yeah. So um we'll see. I really just I'm I'm just not saying no and I'm just taking all the opportunities I can get. And that's that's yeah. And if, if rock bottom means that you have a successful comedy album, then you know <laughs> much further down to go, you know. So yeah. you're doing pretty good for yourself. Thank you, man. Yeah, it was uh, that that month that that those two months before the album came out was it was uh, it was it was certainly interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Peaks and valleys, you know, peaks and peaks valleys. and that's it. It's like you. I, I heard this on a on a um, meditation. I, I'm a big fan. I don't know if you guys meditate, but there's yeah, an app. absolutely. Yes. Okay. I as much as she does, but I try to sometimes. Yo, so there's this app. It's called the Chopra app. Uh, Deepak Chopra has an app out. It's like. It, 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 you can get the free version. I did the free version for a while and then um, got a couple gigs and I just paid for it for the year. And now it's just on renewal. Um, but it lets you, it gives you all these different meditations. And one of them I got was with Oprah. And um, and she said, you just want to be like water and be in a constant state of flow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's I don't know. That's that's pretty fucking that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. And water has been known to be correlated with your emotional state. So having your emotional state, being able to be fluid and get through the ebbs and flows of life is so critical to your happiness and finding your joy, really. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because literally on the on the meditation I did today, um, it was about... Oh fuck! What was it? Oh, I'll tell you right now. Uh, I'm gonna open it up. It was um, the law of least effort, and they talked about water going down a stream. Yeah. And how, as it goes down the stream, there are always going to be rocks in the stream, and the water isn't concerned of where the rock is. It's going to figure out the way to go around it, over it, mm-hmm. under it. It just it just incorporates it into its path, and it keeps on going. Yep. And it's a fucking. Yo, you want to get me talking about this stuff? Yo, <laughs> stay Let's tuned. Stay tuned for part two. Medication, right. medication, uh, meditation, medication. I don't know what I'm medication, saying. Medication, meditation. Hell yeah. Medication. Hey, that's your podcast. Medication, meditation. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we start to get out of here, do you yeah. uh, you you've been a road comic for a while? Do you have any like a fun, really silly road story? Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> So as a comic, when you're on the road, um, you know, you're not always making a, a, a ton of money in the beginning. Um, you might be just be breaking even uh, or losing a little bit of money. So I always try to find like inexpensive, uh, inexpensive hotels. So I, I'll use like Cheapo Air, Booking.com or whatever. And I, I was working in Baltimore last summer and um, and I walked into this hotel, motel. And I swear to God, I was like, if somebody didn't die here, I would be surprised. <laughs> like, like, yo, I walked in, the floors were uneven. 
<laughs> there was there were holes in the bathroom wall. Uh and in the in the fire the smoke detector had a plastic bag wrapped around it. Oh wow. <laughs> so like, no smoke I, could actually get through to it. <laughs> so no smoke could get through to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um I mean, you know, when in Baltimore, fuck. <laughs> When in Baltimore, don't stay in Baltimore. Uh, yeah, no. It was, it was fucking, it was intense. Um, I mean, I've done, oh God, I've done some weird fucking, I did a gig, oh God, I did a gig, um, it was a fucking, it was a senior, like a senior living community. And I love deal. I love, I love doing these senior shows because you talk about people that just don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> like the people that book you for these shows are like, oh my god, they're seniors. You gotta you gotta be careful of what you're saying. Uh no cursing, no nothing. Um and so I'm talking to this I'm talking to the, the crowd about how like you know, um how I'm jealous, uh, you know, because like back in the day, they only had four or five TV channels to choose from. Like that was it. Now yeah. you got too many channels, it's too many options. There's just so much bullshit that's out there. Uh, so I was like, you guys have it lucky. And the lady was like, no, I, I love it now. I love I love Netflix. I love binging out on some Netflix. And uh, and I was like, well, that's that's nice of you. I'm, that's, I'm so happy that you've embraced technology and, you know, you're using Netflix. Good for you. I mean, maybe you could show my parents how to use it. And she <laughs> goes, yeah, yeah, I really binge out on this show. Um, it's called uh, How to Make a Sex Dungeon. Oh wow! And I'm like, what the fuck, lady? Really? <laughs> and so she's going on and on, and then she ends it by going, "Yeah, I don't know. I put it on, and I just, I, I just, I just can't change the channel. I just can't change the show. I just can't change it." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, obviously, because your hand is stuck to the remote." Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so. Um, Though that's just like you have so many weird encounters. Yes. Um, so many weird encounters. I love talking to like going to gas stations, talking to people. I was in, um, I was coming up from Virginia, um, once I was going from North Carolina to Virginia this in September, and um, and it's just so funny how like because I whenever I go out I'm on the road like I'm in a hoodie jeans and I always have a Yankee fitted like that's just I always I always wear a Yankees hat that's it or if it's the wintertime I'll have a beanie on or whatever but like so this was September I had my Yankee fitted and I walked in and this this dude was just a fucking asshole right from Jump Street just a straight dickhead and I'm like why is everything why is everybody so so angry? Why is everybody so annoyed with me? So I go out, I pay, I get the gas, and uh, I don't know. It was like the sun started coming out, and I was like, you know what? I'm just. I took the hat off, and I went and I put it in the car, and I went back inside to go grab snacks or whatever, fucking Chex Mix. And everybody was so nice to me when I came back in, and you're like. <laughs> It's because Yankees are bad guys outside of New York. Exactly. It's <laughs> like, yeah, when you're in the South, it, it's so, so fucking strange, man. Um, I did. All right. I'll tell you. All right. I'll tell you one last funny story. Um, I was working in 
this place called the Villages. The Villages is the largest retirement community in the country. It's northwest of Orlando. What I did not realize is that the senior living community, and it's got like four giant properties, like it's massive. It has the highest STD rate of oh. any senior community in the country. I didn't even know that was a stat that people kept. Oh, yeah. You got to watch out for your grandparents, oh, man. Apparently. Wow. Yeah. It is also a community of fucking swingers. Holy crap. Yeah. Senior swingers. Senior swingers. Yeah. <laughs> senior swingers. So, um, so how they go about, how they go about their, like, um, their adult activities is uh, they wear polo shirts. The men and women wear polo shirts with pineapples on them. And so if the pineapple is upside down, that means they're down. They're down for a good time. I've heard that somewhere recently before. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they're in the grocery store and they're shopping for their food, they'll grab a pineapple and put it in the kitty part of the cart but it'll be upside down. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that before. I don't remember where I've heard that. This is the cherry on the Sunday. In this community, they put loofahs on their car antennas or in the back window. And depending on the color of the loofah, Depends on the level of the kink that they have. Oh my god! Those. <laughs> oh my god! Do you have a yeah. do you have a color chart? For this? Oh, oh wow! Do you know what they mean? No, I don't. Okay, but I tried okay. to talk to him about it, and so I have this whole joke. All right. Uh, so I do this. I do this whole joke about how like um, it's about dating and relationships, and how like women never give guys their real number because they know that most guys want a low number. And I was like, I've never wanted any of my girlfriends to have a low number. I've wanted them to have some notches on their belt. That way, when they take it off, they can choke me with it. <laughs> and they fucking got like I got a couple chuckles, and it was like awkward. And so I go, really. Really? You're going to talk to me? You're going to get judgy on me? This is the land of the fucking swingers? Like, you got loofahs and pineapples? You don't think I know about this shit? (laughs) And that's what fucking brought the room. And you're like, yo, you sick, perverted fucks, man. It was, yo. great. You had to call them out to break the ice. It was so, (laughs) dude, it was so wild. It was so fucking wild. Loofahs. Um, I never would have thought loofahs, yeah. man. Yeah. I gotta no. go in the shower and see what color your loofah is and find out uh what your kink level is. Right? Is it like cool <laughs> colors or like chill and the red colors <laughs> are aggressive? No. I'll tell you what, anytime yeah, so I did four I did two shows. Uh I had done two shows down there and uh oh god. The entire time. I was like looking at the cars, like looking oh for loopers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're all seeing it like weird but that, ones, like, oh, that's a freak. That's a freak right there. <laughs> yeah, like, yo, I mean, what do you do? And that's the thing. And like 
this is how I feel like this is how a comic's brain works. It's like you see the different colors, you want to know what the colors stand for. But yeah. what if you see one that's like a fucking rainbow colored loofah? Like that's a lot of colors. Like what are you into? Or it has a death is attached to it. Is that like, <laughs> yeah, is that like the super next level? Like, do you not know? Do you not know what's gonna happen? Like, uh, is it like some level of kink that you can't eat? Like, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> it's like ten loofahs. It's in the also back. what do they find kinky? <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Inside knowledge. I'm doing this show. First night I'm there. I'm doing this show. You guess, take it. I'm going to say take a guess. You guys are never going to be able to guess, but it's like take a guess who I see at the show. Bernie Mac. What the heck? What? Oh, just a guess. Oh, that's uh-huh. um... No. Okay. I see oh. the parents of a girl that I went to high school with. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, at the swingers place? At the swingers. They live there half oh, the year. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. Oh yeah, it's wild. That is crazy. They had a lot of loofahs in their car. <laughs> like that's why you had so many loofahs when I knew her. Like a garden of popples. <laughs> like I don't know what was going on. Like what was this? Is this like some newfound? Like you're retired and then you found out that you, like you got all these fucking, you got all these fucking kinks. Like what's oh where does loofah energy come from? So much loofah energy. Yeah. <laughs> You need yeah. to make a shirt that says that. I got <laughs> loofah energy. <laughs> and like different color loofahs on different shirts. Right? That's it, man. Making Yo. it even easier. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, do, you have any, uh, do you have any projects or anything that you're working on coming up? Yeah. Um, literally just trying to get um big project. Sell the album. That's it. That That's the big thing. Um but uh, the other the other aspect of it is just trying to get this pilot out, trying to get this pilot package sold. Um, yeah. And um, I really want to start getting out into like, I want to get out and start into like the sketch world. Like I want to start writing. I have like sketches, like I, I've submitted, blindly submitted to SNL twice. Um, I've studied at, uh, I've took and studied taking courses at UCB for, for sketch writing. Um, and once the weather gets a little bit warmer, I'm going to start doing like these man on the street things. Oh, wow. Kind of going yeah. with this whole improv crowd work thing. Like I got a list of like fucking just dis- like questions, things that I need to ask people about. Wonderful. Yeah. That yeah. is pretty cool. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad that you have a, you know, you got those going on. You have the, the pilot. That sounds really exciting. I really hope uh, you're able to shop that around and, and do big things with it. Oh, Yeah. Fingers crossed, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ralph. It's been super fun talking Dude, to you. Dude, it was fucking great seeing you guys. Shit, man. Yeah, likewise. Uh, it, 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 this is awesome. I mean, let's not make it another, you know, almost year and a half since we've seen you. <laughs> well, you know? maybe, maybe we'll see you in July, right? Um, that's what I'm hoping for, man. Um, yeah, I'll definitely hit you up. Um, when I come out, I'll probably be out there for like, probably like four or five days um okay, and okay. so just trying to pack in a bunch of shows oh, yeah. so um anywhere from like san fran to oakland um i feel like that would be the biggest bang for my buck um, as, absolutely so, so as somebody who kind of connoisseur of the area um yeah. san francisco and oakland are your best bets because and they're so close to each other yeah that's that's that yeah that, i'm excited man I'm, I'm i'm really hyped um really hyped to go out so uh you never know um 
Yeah. Hopefully, it, may, it might not just be me. It might be coming out with, uh, you know, we'll never know. I know. I, I don't know. The whole, <laughs> whole crew. Yeah. Whole crew. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, hopefully, maybe. You want to? We'll uh, you want to plug social media and uh, the album one more time? Yeah. Uh, so right there, that's uh, that's the name, Ralph the Mouth eighty one. Uh, <laughs> to anybody that watched, I don't know. Is this just audio or video too? You know, uh, we are going to start putting them on a video, but we haven't decided yet, so I don't know. Okay. So for anybody that's listening, if you don't watch this, <laughs> um, follow me at Ralph the Mouth eighty one. Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok is just at Ralph the Mouth. Um, but I put everything on there. It's got my link tree, uh, in the link tree, it's the link to the album. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, it's going to be streaming. Like I said, Pandora, uh, Pandora, Amazon, Spotify within the next like week or two. Right now it's on Apple music and iTunes. It's only 10 bucks unless you, um, but if you have Apple music, then I guess you stream it for free. I don't know. I'm old school. I like to buy music because I'm a fucking sicko. Um, (laughs) I like, I like to just have it. I just want to, I don't want to be subjected to like, a Wi-Fi signal. Like I just want my music. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so it's ten bucks. It's ten bucks, man. You know. Um, and it's and I think it's worth it. It's funny. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you yeah. can find me at Funky Sam Medina across the board. And I'm at She Shines for You, all spelled out on Instagram. Yeah, and uh, everything else at Hypothetical Comedy. Woo. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ralph. Hell yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Fuck yeah.